So I want to thank you again for being here. So let me get straight to the, the message here. Turning your Bibles quickly to Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Acts 9, verse 1, and it says, Meanwhile, pages are still turning. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call in your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I'm going to go about 15 minutes or a little bit less. Um, I want to give a title, and I'm going to continue with this message next week. We've been doing the series on, in the book of Acts. And even on the radio, I've been dealing in Acts. I'm in chapter 4. The Lord just has me, have me, he has me in the book of Acts during this period of time. I have been fascinated with what I've been, what, with what I've been learning. I even did a lesson, did a, a series on Acts in Sunday school. But I had not anticipated actually doing a sermon or a series on the book of Acts at this time. But this is where God has me. And I've been fascinated and looking at what God has been doing with the growth and the body of the church. As a title, I'm giving this sermon, Saul Called to Serve. Saul Called to Serve. In the book of Acts, two of the most powerful events that took place 
was the coming of the Holy Spirit and the call of Saul by the Lord Jesus Christ. There were many other things that were important, but the Holy Spirit coming and the transformation of Saul's life. Today, many people claim to remember a call that God made on their life, but many have failed to walk in that calling. Point number one, they're kind of loud out there. If you can have them to quiet down, please. Saul called by God. If you're writing the points down, I'm dealing with one point and just a, a few things, few uh, ideas under the point of Saul called by God. When you look at the idea of one breathing out threats, one thinks about a dragon breathing out fire. But when you look at the Bible saying that he was still breathing out threats against the church, one needs to understand that it actually is rather an inhaling or taking in, just like an animal or a bull snorts. He breathes, breathes in first before he snorts. That's what Saul is doing. He is so vindictive, has so much venom that he is breathing in and it is exhaling out as venom. His hatred towards the church is so great that he's willing to travel 125, 135 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. And they didn't have no cars at that time. You can't get people to walk two miles today to get to destinations. They tell you, mm, I need a ride. Where are you going? Oh, no, no, no. That's too, that's too far. Their feet are working just fine. But they ain't going to walk. My corns on my feet <laughs> are hurting. But Saul, in his spite and vindictiveness, got a, some, some other men, got letters from the high priest and headed towards Damascus. Can you imagine a person's hate so strong that they're willing to travel? That amount of distance on a donkey and on foot to go torture the church? His rage was intense. And just as determined and dedicated and motivated as Saul was, is how we are to be for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world oftentimes outdoes the church in their zeal for what they believe. And what they want. The world goes after things with a tenacity. You tell the world they can't have anything, they will come at you with all kind of stuff. They'll slander you. They'll talk about you if they can't have their way. Don't disagree with them on something that's politically correct. That's really incorrect. They will take you to court. They'll come out. They'll do whatever they can to defeat you. But when we look at the Word of God and look at the truth that we have before us, and the Bible says that God's Word will always remain. It is eternal. What are we doing to show our love for the Word of God? You see, 
my, my dad really did love the Word of God. He, he, he was an individual that would go into the bathroom and go and read books and his Bible and spend his time looking in the mirror. <laughs> then, self, need to straighten up and do what you're supposed to do. Damascus was a place that was known, and it was one of the oldest places that was mentioned in the Bible. In fact, in Genesis, it is mentioned, Damascus, in the 14th chapter, with Abraham. It was well known. It was a place, evidently, where Saul knew that the church would go. After the persecution broke out in Jerusalem, Saul takes off. And goes to Damascus because he knows that's where he can get some more saints. In the calling of Saul by God, it is interesting to note that when God called Saul, God called him and revealed his glory. When you think about God, Jesus Christ having gone to heaven, in fact, they were talking about it briefly in Sunday school today. Before I had to go to the back, I, I, there was some qu a question that Brother Jerry had raised, and they were discussing God's divinity or his glory. But when God goes, Jesus went back to glory when he went back to heaven. The appearances of Christ after he goes back to heaven, when he appears again or shows himself on the earth, it is always in his glory. When he sat down at the right hand of the Father and has all authority and all power given to him, when he revealed himself to Saul, he came at a time that you don't see in chapter 9, but you see in other parts such as Acts 22, that it was at the noon hour that the Lord shined from heaven on Saul on the road to Damascus. And it was right before he got to the city. And the Bible says that the light was brighter than the sun. Can you imagine that the sun at its peak is said to shine the brightest? You can't even look at the sign without squinting. And there was Jesus in his glory that the light was so bright that it eclipsed the sun. The Bible says that Saul fell off his beast. Now let me say this. When Saul says, the Lord says, Saul, Saul, you need to note something. When Jesus calls your name two times, you better listen. There are times when the Lord calls a person's name twice, and oftentimes it relates to judgment. When the Lord says something twice, Saul, Saul, or, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem in the book of Matthew. How I wanted to gather you as a chick is gathered by the mother hen, or the, the mother, and to gather you under my feathers, but you would not let me. It was a pronouncement of judgment. When the Lord said to Saul, 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 and the answer is, yes, Lord. Now, when Saul answered, you need to understand 
that when he said, yes, Lord, Lord was a formal, just a regular way of greeting an individual of authority. It was a way of just showing respect. But when Saul used the word Lord, he actually used the word relating in the Greek to God. He knew that the voice that he was hearing was God. And what Jesus then says, he says, I am. Stop. Many people run past that title, I am. Jesus, I am Jesus. Wait a minute. Saul knew that God had called him. And when he said, I am, that's how God revealed himself to Moses. When Moses said, Lord, who should I say sent me when you send me to Israel? Who should I say is sending me? And so Jesus, in the words of saying, I am, was one, answering the question, yes, I'm God, and I'm Jesus, that you are persecuting. Get this now. There has been a big debate over the years about, is Jesus really God? Jesus was God on earth. Jesus was God before the earth was created, and he's God when he went back to heaven after securing our our salvation. And he revealed himself to Saul as, I am God, and I'm Jesus who is God, and you are persecuting me as you're going after the church. There was a whole lot that happened in that short amount of time when Saul fell off his beast. Now, let me just say this in closing for today, and I'll come back to it next week. You've got to come back for the rest. When Jesus appeared, the Bible says that Saul fell off his beast. Now, I've said this before. I don't want to mess up some of y'all theology. The enemies of God fall back and away at the power of God. There is a phenomenon that has swept the country, churches worldwide. Come on, mess up your philosophy. That is called slain in the spirit. There's no biblical precedent for Christians falling backwards when they're prayed for. Whenever Jesus or angels appeared, even when the people didn't know, it was always a falling forward and reverence and worship and bowing before him. Only the enemies of God fell backwards in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they came to Jesus, again we hear those words, I am stopped. The soldiers fell backwards that came to arrest him. I am he, he said in the garden, and at the power of Jesus did they fall back at the power because Evil cannot stand in the presence of the Almighty God. When Saul, who was on his way to persecute the church, and the glory of God shined on him who was not right, he was not right, he was a sinner, and the Lord appeared to him, he fell backwards off of his beast. It is the body of Christ that falls forward in worship of the Almighty God. You find it throughout Scripture. Tell me to mess up some of your theology. When we worship, to worship means to prostrate oneself before the Lord, to fall face down in honor and praise of God. 
And somehow, we think that when we fall back, it's showing the power of God or the, being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. No, not necessarily. Maybe showing something else. But when I worship God, I don't lose my mind. Now, I, I understand that, that sometimes that people may do it, and, and, and I want to be careful here, but I want to look at when I'm looking biblically at the Word of God, I don't see the precedence. But I sure see the precedence when God is on the scene to call forward. Now, there's fear, always fear when the Lord showed up. But there was a reverence and a worshiping. He told Saul, now get up. Whenever people bowed down to worship God, there wasn't a command to get up unless they weren't doing what God initially told them to do. As I conclude today, when you look at what Jesus did for Saul, he revealed himself in his glory. He said, I am God. I'm Jesus. And you're persecuting the church who is representing me. That's my body. Now get up and go into the very place that you are going. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to send somebody there. You go there and wait for further instruction. Now last week, I told you, sometimes God doesn't give you an assignment. He'll give you an assignment. And it's only that assignment, go. And once you get there, I'll give you further instructions. And I told you, some people, I ain't going unless I see the whole thing. I can't go. No, I don't see A through Z. Obedience means that you go simply because God says go. When you get there, it's like the clue. When I, I used to do this Friday Night Live, some kids, I, I used to have this little word game. He used to have them all outside. And before they got here, I put all these little clues around the church and downstairs, outside, different places, and put little notes on one clue where they can find the next one. So there might be a clue at the bottom of the parking lot taped to a car. And the first clue I would give them while they're sitting here, and they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. They think about it and they run and they find that clue and then they, where's the next one? They couldn't get to the next clue until they went to get that other one. And it led them back to the place where they would finally get to the very last thing. That was the goal. When the Lord told Saul, go to Damascus, he obeyed. Do you not know that some of our Blessings and some of the answers that we are seeking are not coming because we haven't obeyed the first step to go. Some of us say, why is God doing this? How come God is not answering my prayer? Well, have you gone? Have you taken the first step that God told you to take? Have you stepped out and just moved? That's what it requires in order to get, oftentimes, the next part of what God wants you to do. Because I tell you, I told you before last week, Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it is impossible to please God. We're going to pick up here next week. Bow your heads. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Today, Lord, as we consider and look at the life of Saul, Paul, one of the greatest apostles of all time, or the greatest one used by God in ways that were unimaginable. You blessed him, and 
You took a man that was so angry, so, so upset, and you turned his life around. And he became faithful to the very, very end. You took my dad, an angry young boy, an angry young man, and turned his life around to become a loving man of God, respected and loved by many because he yielded to the plan of God. That's what changes lives, God's plan. We love you today. We bless you today. And we honor you. As we go over to the modular today to enjoy fellowship, we pray for the food. Pray for the hands that prepared the food. Pray that it would nourish the body. Bless the fellowship today. We honor you today for this wonderful event, this wonderful time of honoring and worship. We thank you for being the great and mighty God. We love you today and we praise you. Amen.